Amen. Well, good evening. I almost said good morning. I said it in my mind. And I was like, it is not the morning. Hey, I want to take a second um, before I get into the message to encourage all of you. I know Mindy was talking about um, the water baptisms that are next Saturday. Here, They're going to be here at Brick next Saturday. And I want to really encourage you, if you have not gotten baptized, you're saved, but you have not gone public with that declaration of, you know, baptism is identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus. I want to encourage you to do that, amen, because that is, it's powerful. It is powerful. And, you know, we can't wait for the baptisms. It's always such a celebratory, rejoicing service to seeing people identify, publicly declare, I follow Jesus. Amen? So make sure you, you sign up um, for that. Like, like Mindy said, the class is this Saturday, so you got to sign up before then to make sure you get in. Amen? Amen. So we are in this two-part series, so to say, here for our midweek uh, <clears throat> service, God is loving, God is light. And you know, first off, thank God for both of those things, amen, <laughs> that he is love and he is light. And why is it so important for us to know that? Well, and I'm going to be talking about that, but it's so important for us to know <clears throat> God is love, because number one, that's a huge foundation for us, right? And we need to know that he is love because the truth is this, is we also need to show the love of God, amen? How many of us know that, that we are called to show the love of God? But let me tell you something, if you don't truly know the love of God, you're not going to be showing the love of God. Because a lot of the times people are really just getting what? Our overflow. If you haven't experienced the love of God and truly understand it, you won't be able to show that love to others. Why? Because you're going to give them the overflow of what you're experiencing. And then how many of us know what we're talking about today? God is light. God is, Jesus is, he's the light of the world, right? And he, now, when we receive Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And we should be shining, so to say. People should be able to see that there is something different in us, right? Should be drawn to us in a way of, what's different about this person? How can that person have joy when things go seem crazy? How can that person forgive when this person did that? Whatever it may be. We are the light of the world now. Why? Not because of us. Not because of our natural self. Because we have Christ in us now, if you've given your life to him. Amen? And if you haven't, you'll have an opportunity to at the end of the service. And you know, the truth is, is if, if you go through life without truly knowing God and his love, then it's going to make no much difference, no difference how much pleasure or success you may gain in other ways because you've lived your life in vain. You've lived in, even Paul, when Paul was talking about, said, if I have this and I have this without love, he says, I am nothing. I have nothing. We need to make sure we truly know God and his love. You know, if you've given your life to Jesus, praise God. That, that's the most important thing, realizing you need a Savior. You surrender your life to him. But you know, that is not the end of our journey with God. That's the beginning, right? We need to begin to know God, know him, know his character, know his nature, know the, about the love of God. It's important to know that. God wants us to get to know him. You know that? God wants us to get to know him. He, wants to, he knows us. I mean, he knows us as every hair on our head. He knows us, and he wants us to get to know him. You know, uh, growing up, and this is what we have to make sure that we don't fall into. Growing up, I don't know exactly what it would be called um, today, the correct term. But growing up as a, as a kid, um, myself, my mom, my brother, we lived with my grandma. And, and my mom's side of the family it was an all-Italian all side of the family. It was great. Good food. <laughs> loud talking. Um, <laughs> It was awesome, but my grandma, 
in her house. She had this room, and I think, I don't know, I remember we just called it like a formal living room. Does anybody know what that is? Yeah. It's a living room, but there's no life in it because you're not allowed to, like, go in it. So, um, yes, you guys know. So growing up, we had this living room. So right when you walked into the house to the left, it was like we actually had a living room where we did do life in and live in and watch TV. But in this room, I mean, it was an immaculate room. And I know for us as kids, if we went in it, there would be problems. You know, it had really nice couch, plastic covering the couch, you know. It had like an old phone, that, you know, the twisty phones that didn't work. Um, it had really nice furniture and stuff. It was, a, it was honestly a really nice room to look at. And that's really all we were allowed to do. It's look in and go, oh, that looks really nice today. And my grandma would know because she'd, you know, she'd vacuum it like every day, and it would have like the perfect creases, the perfect lines. So if you started running in it, obviously she's going to know, and then that's going to be a problem. But it was a really nice room. But growing up, I mean, until we hit a certain age where I guess, I don't know, we were trusted, um, which I can get, though. When we were young, you know, many times she had good reason not to let us in there because it would have been a mess. But, you know, going in, we would admire that room, and we would look at it, from a distance. And we are supposed to admire God. Amen. And, and even have the fear of the Lord, right? Fear of the Lord. And look at him. But God also wants us to be able to rest in him and not just look. God wants him to be like that recliner, like, come sit, come rest in me, come get to know me, come learn about me. Amen. So we need to know about the love of God. And that's what, what overflows in us. So just a very brief recap from last week, and I'll get into part two of this message. And we, and we talked about last week, Pastor Joe talked about, on, we looked at and focused on two simple but very profound statements. And it's what the message is called, that God is love and God is light. And, you know, love is really the predominant theme throughout the Word of God. If you really think about it, I mean, you can even go back to Genesis with Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve sinned, right? Adam and Eve sinned. And then God, though, thank God, we weren't just an afterthought to God. He had a plan, right? And that plan was Jesus to send his son. And he even said in Genesis, well, he, you know, said what's going to happen. He's going to send Jesus. He's going to have to send somebody now to crush Satan because now we are separated from God. And we know why is the reason that God sent, what is the reason that God sent Jesus? Well, it says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die for us. So we would not perish, but could have eternal life, everlasting life. So love is a very predominant theme throughout the Word of God, and we're commanded in the Word of God to love over and over again. If you ever wonder, should I I show love? We're commanded to love. We're commanded to love, amen? To love God, to love our neighbors, our parents, our children, ourselves. And we're even commanded to what? Love our enemies. Does that mean be best friends with them? No, no. Does that mean see them all the time? No. But we're commanded to love them, to not have hate in our hearts, to not have unforgiveness in our hearts towards them. That we are commanded to do. And, you know, we even looked at last week about the Ten Commandments, even in the book of Exodus. And we actually went through the Ten Commandments and looked at them. And I'm not going to go through all of them now, but if you know the Ten Commandments and you really look at them, Commandments 1 through 4 is about loving God. And then 5 through 10 is about loving others, right? And the truth is, is if you don't get 1 through 4 about loving God, you're not going to get 5 through 10 about loving others. 
It's so important to understand the love of God. And first and foremost, to make sure that we put God first in our life, that he's our first love, right? And God wants us to function as agents of his love here on this earth. There is a lot of hate right now going around. God wants us to function as agents of his love. And I want to go to John 13, 34. Jesus speaks and he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's a command. That's not a suggestion that Jesus gives. He didn't say, you know, a suggestion I give you. Love this person if they're good to you. Love this person if they're nice. No, he says, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. And really, he's picking up on the theme of verses 13 to 17 earlier in this chapter. But now he speaks of this as a new commandment, to love one another. And it's because he's presenting a new standard. Jesus is presenting a new standard now, the love of Jesus. The servant-like, selfless love of Christ displayed toward one another that we would be witnesses of the world. And then the next verse even says, people would be able to know that we're his disciples by how we love. People will know we're his disciples by how we love. So we could see that love is very important. How we treat one another is very important, right? And, um, you know, the truth is, is I don't know about you, but that could be tough sometimes, if we're honest, right? That could be really tough. But one thing that I do is when I'm struggling of showing love to somebody, maybe somebody did something to whatever it may be, um, I think about how much God loved us. It says Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. That's love, right? So we need to show that to others. Romans 13.8, Paul writes, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. <clears throat> You know, if we truly understood and, com- and really completely understood and followed the command to love one another, we would, fulfill, we would fulfill those commandments and observe those commandments, fulfill them, and they're the most fundamental in human relationships, so to say, right? Galatians 5.14, Paul also writes, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, think about Jesus, right? Jesus, when they said, Master, what's the most important command? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with everything that you have. And then he says, love your neighbors yourself, right? First, we have to love God. Then we have to love our neighbors. And he says, and then you will fulfill. You will fulfill it. And, you know, sometimes we need to go back to that and really meditate on that and, go, and ask God, God, how is my love walk going? And if we realize that, okay, we're veering off track, or okay, I haven't been loving other wells, and ask ourselves, why? Why? And we talked about last week, and I know for me, to be honest, I remember when I was listening to the message last week, I was sitting in the message, and pastor said this, and I go, okay, because, you know, when he's talking about love, I was thinking about my own love walk, like, how is my love walk, right? And when he talked about, number one, what we talked about last week that we need to make sure is he said, you know, I cannot love others unless I have peace myself. And, you know, we project onto others our deepest feelings about ourselves. So sometimes when our love walk is struggling, we need to pause and say, Lord, is there something going on in me that I'm not addressing? Do I not have peace? And is it because of something maybe I'm doing? Is it a a circumstance that maybe I'm not in control in, but I'm I'm giving it too much power in my life? Whatever it may be. 
But we cannot love others unless we have that peace ourselves, right? We project others our deepest feelings about ourselves. You know, the saying, what is it? Hurt people hurt people, right? So we need to make sure, Lord, I, do, I need to make sure I have peace with myself. What's going on here? What do I mean by just, just peace with myself? Is You know, people could struggle with a feeling of no self-worth, and I have that. You need to remember that you're a child of God. You need to remember that in God's eyes, we're his workmanship, we're his masterpiece, he says in Ephesians 2.10. And, you know, we looked at Peter last week, and how, and Peter, Simon Peter, he was almost pretty much, you could say, useless for the gospel until he found peace with Jesus, who he betrayed. When Jesus came back and then restored Peter and walked with Peter, because obviously in those days, until Jesus rose from the dead, Peter probably did not feel much peace with himself. Walking around, I betrayed my Savior. I portrayed my teacher. I portrayed my Messiah. I denied him. I could imagine him walking around with that guilt, walking around feeling that shame. And then what? Jesus comes and Jesus asks Peter if he loves him three times. And he restores Peter. And then obviously we know Peter goes on to be a huge part in the church. Amen. In the starting of the church. But Peter wouldn't have been able to do that unless he got that restoration, unless he got that, be able to have peace with himself of, yeah, I messed up. I fell short, but thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus and his love. Amen. So that brings us to tonight now that God is light. God is love and God is light. And, you know, if you really think about it, light in the natural realm, just talking about in our natural sense, we depend on the sun's light for illumination, right? For it to be bright out, right? I don't know about you, but I love when it's light out. That's one thing. I love about this. I mean, I love the weather in the summer, but I love when it starts getting uh, lighter later. My, so much of my wife makes fun of me. I don't know what it is. She tells me I should have been a weatherman because I always talk about the weather at home. Just like, it's going to be a cool 70 degrees out today, Bianca. Let's get ready. No, but I'm always talking about it. She's like, what? Like, if it snows, she tells me that I'm like, she t- I literally like stand up. I'm like, Bianca, it's snowing outside. She's like, yep, and you're going to tell me that again in five minutes. And I do. And five minutes later, I'm like, you know, still snowing outside. I don't know why. But anyway, I have a weird thing with the weather. But that's another story. I love when it's lighter later. I don't know about you. I'm just like in a better mood when it's light. I'm just going to be honest. Right? When, when winter first hits and it starts getting dark and then the clock switches and it's getting dark at 430, I hate it. We, you know, light is awesome and a natural thing. And we depend on the sun's light, right? Our physical bodies even when from the sun gain nutrients, it's good for us. The sun can give life to our bodies. You know, think about it. In order to survive, we eat plants, right? Like vegetables, plants, all that stuff that, that eat, that what? Draw from the light themselves. That's how they grow. Anyway, I, I don't know much about this stuff, so I'm not going to pretend I do. But obviously, they need natural light too. But the, true, the same is true when it comes to, you could say, uh, spiritual light too, right? God is light. And in him it says, and I'm going to get into this in a second, there is no darkness at all. And we're called to shine, and we're called to be a light for Christ here on this earth. John writes in 1 John 1.5, he says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Just leave that scripture up for a second, because this is um, important because, see, John is writing here and John is explaining that the message we have from Jesus is that God is light and there's no darkness in him at all, right? See, here's the thing where that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. It doesn't say 
God produces light or God, no, God is light. That means you're talking about his nature. They're talking about his character here. That's who he is. Just like God is love. God is love, right? God is love. It's who he is. And there's a huge difference in that. There's a huge difference in that. See, it says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Light is the nature and character of God. That's his nature and character. He is not a light or a kind of light. He is light itself, and all light truly comes from him. You know, I just have my cell phone here, and I don't know about you, but anybody use your cell phone flashlight is like your main flashlight now, right? I don't even know if I have a flashlight in my house anymore. Probably, but I was always using my phone, and it's really not that great a flashlight. But look, so like my phone here, I could turn on the flashlight, right? And I could turn it on, turn it off. So this phone, it could produce a little bit of light if I wanted to. As long as it's not dead, it could produce a little bit of light. And then I could turn it off. See, God doesn't switch off like that, though. God doesn't have an on and off button when it comes to me. No, because it's who he is. There's no darkness in him. He is light. He is light. He doesn't go, okay, I'm going to shut off today. No, he's light. It's who he is. And thank God for that. At the beginning of time... God created light. It's one of the first things he did. He spoke it into existence to dispel the darkness and the chaos that was all over the world. You can go to Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 5 and read that. There was darkness and God spoke light into existence to get rid of that darkness and that chaos that was all over the earth. And then what? He created the lights in the sky, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And light itself and the source of light, he only had to speak and light came into being. See, Darkness represents everything that is anti-God. The wicked, so to say. Darkness represents everything that is anti-God. And when scriptures talk about darkness, it usually is referring to a sinful path. And, and Jesus is the light and Satan is darkness. And you know, we all look for light in the midst of darkness. I'm even talking about like spiritually, right? That's why it's important for us to be a light for Christ. Why? Because as it gets darker and darker and darker, we could shine brighter. People will see something. People are looking for something. Right now, I'm telling you, there are people out there that are looking for something. They don't know what to do. They're depressed. They're crippled with anxiety. They're fearful. They don't know what this world's going to look like. That You literally hear people say, dark world, it's a dark world. Well, the light will shine out to them, and it will stand forth, and it will shine forth. People are looking for that. And, you know, we, I'm just saying this, to be honest, we need to make sure we realize you're a Christian. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. This isn't a game. We need to be those representatives for Jesus here. And the darker it gets, the, the brighter the light will shine. I remember, in, in a natural sense, um, and if you've heard me preach before, you might have heard me share this story. And, and I, whenever I talk about just light and the light of God, I don't know, I always go to this story, and it's probably because it still haunts me. Um, back in the third grade, we went on a field trip to the Liberty Science Center, and they have this horrible thing there. No, I'm just kidding. Some people like it. I didn't. But they have a thing there called the touch tunnel. And I remember being in third grade, and my mom came as a chaperone um, to this trip. And I guess you could watch, uh, they have a I guess a place, a room or whatever where you have the TV so they could actually see to make sure, you know, nothing crazy is going on in there. But when you go in the touch tunnel, see, I didn't realize, I was like, I'll do it. I didn't realize this thing was pitch 
black in there. You couldn't see anything. That's why I should have put it together. That's why it's called a touch tunnel, not a sea tunnel. It's called a touch tunnel because you can't see. And I went in there, and I remember I go in there, and I start, I start going a little bit, and I start freaking out, freaking out screaming like uh somebody help me somebody help me because I could not I don't know I was I was freaked out it was horrible and um I remember I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm I'm like I'm screaming I'm screaming I'm like what's going on so I guess they led my mom over so there's one place there's multiple I don't know if there's multiple places I never went back so anyway um <laughs> never checked it out again so I can't tell you exactly it's been a long time but there is a spot where you can like open to where an opening would come and then somebody come out and I remember just seeing my mom, when she opened that opening with the worker there, and it came a little bit, it immediately just caught my eye. That little bit of light just caught my eye immediately, and I knew where to go to get out of there, <laughs> right? And the truth is, is as we all look for light when there is darkness going on, right? Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. <clears throat> for he rescued us from the domain of darkness, Jesus, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Let's take a sip of water quick. When it says here, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. What that's saying too is when we give our life to Jesus, we enter into a new kingdom. Amen. And rescued us from the domain of darkness, it conveys the idea of salvation rescuing us from the tyranny of darkness. It includes rescue from such negatives as what danger, death, sickness, hostile situations in general. And these include both present and deliverances in the future. But most importantly, we got rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's son, the kingdom of God. We got transferred when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There's a transfer that happens there. Amen. Ephesians 5.11 do not, Paul writes, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. See, the light of God is his holiness, righteousness, and goodness, which, in contrast, which is in contrast to the darkness of evil and sin. Light is part of the essence of God. And he's saying, do not participate in the deeds of darkness. Now, we all fall short. We know that. We all sin. We all fall short. We're not going to be perfect, but we should be working towards to becoming more like Christ, right? As we grow in our relationship with God, we should be growing to be more like Christ. None of us here will ever hit being perfect, hit perfection. Only one perfect person ever, and we know who that is. That was Jesus. But we should be striving to do good works, right? We should be striving to do good works. We should be exposing uh, works of evil and not, and not hanging around with those works of evil. You know, we see there's so much in the scriptures where it is talking about light and talking about darkness. And, you know, throughout the Old Testament, light is a lot of the times associated with God and his word. And one of the m- most favorite scriptures in the word of God, and, and definitely in the Psalms, is Psalm 119, which Psalm 119 is a great psalm. The whole thing's a great psalm. In Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, right? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is so important because the truth is, is no matter how young we are, 
no matter how old we are, we're in a place of life where we haven't been yet, right? We're, enter- we're all entering, we enter into new seasons, so to say, whatever it may be. And each and every one of us in here, in life, in this life, we do need a guide, right? We need a guide in this, in this life. Um, and this verse, it shows us how God's word lights the way, giving direction for each step and giving wisdom for even long-term plans. God will give us wisdom for each step, direction, and he will give us wisdom for long-term plans, right? Your word is a lamp to my feet, right? Our feet are right in front of us each step. And a, and a what? And also a light to my path. The path can be far away. He will give us long-term plans. He'll give us wisdom for the long-term. But it all starts with what are we stepping? How are we stepping? Are we staying on the path we're supposed to be? And God will show us what direction to go in life, what to do. You know, even Joshua, in the book of Joshua, Joshua even links regular application and making sure regular applica- application of God's word to life as the most certain way to both success and prosperity in living. In Joshua 1.8, we need to make sure we let God's word, what, guide us, correct us, instruct us, lead us, teach us, and confirm. Amen? Do not try to go in front of God in his leading, in his direction. You know, I think all of us, we go through periods of, of time where we go, I don't know what to do. Lord, what direction am I supposed to take? Sometimes it's a small decision. Sometimes it could be a major decision, right? Sometimes it could be, I don't know which career path to take. Lord, I don't know um, which, uh, you know, I'm just trying to think of something here. Which career path to take? I don't know which house maybe to buy. I don't know when should I sell my house, whatever it may be. I don't know. But we all have decisions that we think about every day. Some of them are little decisions, right? And we need to let God's word give us direction. You know, one thing I always do is this, is if I don't know what to do, I will always ask myself, well, what does God's word say? I start with that. If, if, I, uh, you know, if I don't know what to do, well, what does God's word say? And you might be thinking, well, Matt, uh, God's word doesn't necessarily tell me which career path I should take. Okay, that's true in terms of it's not a big picture. It doesn't, there's not a verse that says you should, shall be such and such and such. But if you start following what God's word says about trusting in him, depending on him, leaning on him, not on your own understanding, you will get there of what career path you should take. He will guide you there. He'll bring people in your path. He'll give you a peace when you know, Right? So I always ask myself, when I don't know what to do, I'll say, well, what does God's word say? And that's in everything, in big decisions and little decisions. You know, this might sound funny, but I've asked myself this at times in life. I've heard people ask, if you're struggling with forgiveness and somebody did something and you go, I need to think if I should forgive them. Oh, you don't need to think about it. I should pray if I should forgive them. You don't need to pray about it. Again, to be honest, you don't need to pray, should I forgive them? You need to look at what God's word says. We're commanded to forgive. God's word will light, he'll, it'll give us our lamp to our feet and it's a light to our path. When you don't know what to do, first thing is, well, what does God's word say about this situation? See what his word says. Pray, ask him, wait, be patient as well and let him guide our steps. And sometimes, when we're, you know, we're going on the path we're supposed to be going, sometimes it can feel like a slow walk. But you know what? That's okay. Because we're learning things along that journey. Don't try to run in front. Why? Because 
God has the lamp, right? His word is a lamp to our feet. Don't try to run in front of that lamp. Don't try to do it without that lamp because then you're going to be on a dark path. You're not going to go which way. Next thing you know, you could veer off. You could veer off. You know, that happens when we try to do things our way a lot, a lot of the times. You know, I don't know, this story just popped in my head. And it took me about four years to learn. I was a slow learner in this. That's okay. Um, when I was, you know, the youth, the youth pastor, we go to Rock Mountain Bible Camp every summer. And uh, it's a great time. And one of the nights, they do this thing called Mission Impossible, they call it. And it's really fun. It's, well, it's fun for the kids. And we love the kids, so it's fun. We know about it a little bit ahead of time, the leaders and the kids, the kids that go to camp. And, you know, after the first time, it's one of the things they look forward to the most, this game. So they do this game, Mission Impossible. So we go to camp for the whole week. And then one of the nights, normally you go to bed at like 11 o'clock or whatever. Or you try to get them to go to bed at like 11 because you get up early, pretty early every morning. But you know one of the nights they're coming in and they're banging on your door at 1 o'clock in the morning. It's great. So I get freaked out every year it happened. Too. I know it's coming, and my heart's like racing when they start banging on the door. They, so they bang on the door, the staff of the camp, and then they throw like a manila folder thing in, and it has instructions. So it's a game, Mission Impossible. So each year they have like a different theme. So you go about doing different things, and you have all the different cabins. There's like 10 cabins. And, you know, the teams that finish first, and it has clues. So you go around, it's a huge campsite. So, and they always obviously give us a map of the campsite. See, we've been going there for many years. So most of the years, we get it. And then also, they also do this thing if you get caught, because then they have their staff workers, the camp, driving around like ATVs and stuff, with flashlights. And if they catch you, they'll make you like dance or sing or spray you with water guns and stuff. It's a great time. Anyway, so um, the kids do love it, though. It is, it is, it is fun. Um, but, so, you know, you got to try to hide and stuff and, and do it so they don't catch you. So I always just, every year, I go, <laughs> I go uh, you know, when it starts, and they go, okay, so we know where we have to go. And we've been there many years, so we kind of know. So the kids are telling me, oh, we'll go this way. We'll follow the path there. We know exactly where that is. And I go, well, why don't we try this way? I don't know where this is going to bring us, but I bet you it'll bring us there, and they won't see us. I get us lost every single year. I'm just going to be honest. I do, and I'm not even kidding when I tell you this. The cabin I'm in almost finishes last every single year because I mess us up. I think I could do it in my own way. I think, well, let me, let me go off of the path that I can clearly see because I think this is going to work, and I get us lost. They actually told me last year was the first year I didn't go, and they came back and said, oh, Pastor Matt, guess what? They're like, we came in third this year. I said, well, <laughs> praise God, I, you know, because my cabin always you know, is my fault too. But anyway, when we try to do our own way or go our own way, we could get lost, right? Now, my cabin, we always finished. I will say that. We finished late after everybody. And we had to deal with some frustrations along the way, right? But, and that was, well, really because of me. I'm not going to blame them. That was because of me. And we could do that, too. If we get off the path, right, we're going to deal with some frustrations. We're going to deal with some hurt, whatever it may be. And we don't want it, right? God says he, his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So we need to make sure we follow his word and look, follow his light. Amen? The word of God sheds light on our path through this life in a world full of darkness. 
We have no word. If we don't know the word, we're going to have no direction. No word, no direction. Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3. David writes, I love that he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He says, When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. David says, in this I'm going to be confident. And it starts with the Lord is his light and his salvation. So who shall he fear? Whom shall he fear? He's, David goes on to say, no matter how many battles, no matter how many enemies rise up against me, my hope and trust is in you, he says to God. In you and you alone. And that's the truth for us too. right? God, he is our light in the midst of the darkness of discouragement. All of us face discouragement from time to time, right? Each and every one of us in here, each and every one of us in here at some point in our life have felt discouraged, have gotten discouraged, and he is our light in the midst of the darkness of discourage. I'm telling you, if you're in a time right now in your life where you feel discouraged, fix your eyes upon Jesus, look to God, look to his word, and know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Amen? He has a plan and a purpose for you. He has a good plan and a good purpose for you, and he wants you to fulfill it. Amen. And he is love and he wants to walk with you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He is our light in the midst of the darkness and discouragement and that we could be confident in. And David says in this I could be confident. And then he says in verses 13 and 14, he says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He goes and says, wait, wait. You know, even in the original, it actually says, wait in faith. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David writes, and we need to be confident of that, that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We will see the goodness of God in our life. And sometimes we do need to wait on the Lord. We need to be patient a little bit, and that can be tough. That can be really tough sometimes. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes... I could pray, and if it doesn't happen like that, you can start getting frustrated, right? Sometimes we need to wait on God. No, God, you're faithful. I'm going to see your goodness, Father. You're faithful to your word. I'm going to see this come to pass. And I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to waver. I'm going to wait on you, and I'm going to be of good courage, and I'm going to let you strengthen me during this time. God is our light. Amen? He's our light. He defends us. He encourages us. He causes us to rule and reign over every, every adversary. You know, Isaiah prophesying in chapter uh, 9 about Jesus, he wrote in, in chapter 9, verse 2, he says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And Jesus, we know, declared that he is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, and it says, And again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. And you know, this is the um, second of Jesus' self-disclosing declarations in John, when you read through John. And he's saying that the world is, is in darkness apart from him. He's saying the world is in darkness apart from him. Why? Because he's the light of the world. 
you know, God's light is revealed in Jesus. God's light is revealed in Christ, whose light of love, because we know Jesus is love. God is love. Jesus is the light of the world. His light of love shines into lives darkened by sin. All of us, at one point in here, if you've given your life to Jesus, it says we were slaves to sin, right? Then what happened? We asked Jesus to come into our life. We realized we need a Savior. We surrendered our life to Him. God's Holy Spirit came and sealed us, and our life changed drastically. We got transferred into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, right? And, you know, just as love was, was poured out into our hearts, because that's what happens too. When we give our life to Jesus, love is poured out into our hearts. That same love should be poured out from our hearts to others. You know, love is power. I remember, it'll be 10 years this August, August 26, 2012. I remember I came here to New Beginnings, Brick Campus, for the first time my uncle brought me. And at that time, I didn't really know much about God. I mean, as a kid, you know, we would go to church once a year, twice a year. I didn't really know about God much. Um, And at that point in my life, I felt empty. I knew something was missing. And I remember talking to my uncle and he told me about Jesus inviting me to church. And I remember I came, we came for the first time and I did what, you know, most people for the first time do. I sat literally in the back row on this side. I sat in the, in the back row. Um, and I remember um, at the end of the service, I went up, I responded to an altar call, went up and gave my life to Jesus. And my whole world changed then right? I experienced love in a way that I never knew I could experience love before. I remember going, I didn't go right home, we went back to my uncle's and he talked to me more about it and I remember just getting aggressive like, oh my gosh, like I have eternal life now and there is a father that loves me. See, growing up too, I would struggle with and I've shared this, my dad left when I was six months old so I didn't really know in the natural sense the love of a father, of having a father figure in my life. So that was always a struggle growing up. And I remember in that moment grasping, and it took me a while. It didn't just happen instantly. It did in a way, but it took me a while to grow in understanding God's love, obviously. But understanding that, whoa, I have a heavenly father that does love me, that loves me for me, for who I am, right? For my quirks, my deficiencies, whatever it may be. He loves me because I'm his son. And that love changed my life. And that love has changed all of our lives at some point. And we need to understand we are to pour that love out to others, there's power in that, to love others, to show love, not just say it, to show it as an action. See, love is an action, too. God used words that he says he loves, but the action was he sent his one and only son. You know, we could say, I love you, I love you, I love you, all we want, but are we showing it with our actions to people? Love is power. Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 14 to 21, Paul writes this, he says, and he's writing a prayer, and he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray, he says, that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Amen? That's powerful. See, to know the love of Christ is the essence of the greatest fullness, it says. And then he goes on in verse 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that what that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That power is love. What is that power? That power is love. Paul says we need to make sure we are rooted sorry, and established in love. And when we are, we're going to understand. And he even you know, writes in, in Romans about God's love that nothing he believes in. Romans 8, that he's convinced, Paul writes, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That power is love. It must be the motivating factor. See, there is power in love. And it has to be the motivating factor in our life. Not selfishness, not self-centered, only producing what I need thinking to have that mindset. See, when, whatever I'm able to believe God for must have love at its foundations. To know that God is a good father, that he wants to provide. Amen? Because why? When then God is glorified because whatever we produce with our faith now reflects God. Amen? It reflects him. And we understand that we can only even do this life because of him. So from these past two weeks, there's a few things we need to remember as I'm going to be closing. Closing. Number one, you need to remember that you are forgiven. You are loved. Amen? Amen. If you've received Jesus, you're forgiven. You are loved. If you've fallen short since then, we all have. But you need to, you are forgiven. You are loved. Because remember, you're not going to be able to love others if you don't have peace with yourself. You are forgiven. You are loved. When, you, when your feet get dirty, when things happen, go wash in the water of the word. We all, unfortunately, get dirty, right? Go wash yourself in the water of his word. And in your spirit, we need to understand, in our spirit resides the love of God. And through the word, we release the light of God. I love that. In our spirit resides the love of God. If you're having trouble in your love walking, showing love to others, ask God to help you. Ask him to help you. You have the spirit of God living on the inside of you. Ask him to help you. And through God's word, we can release the light of God. Being obedient to his word, people are going to see that there is something different in us that that is different than the world, and they're going to be drawn to that light. Amen? Remember, God is love. He is love. It's his nature. It's his character. It's who he is. Remember, he is light, and his light will direct our steps and guide our path. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father... I just thank you so much for this night, Lord. And Father, I thank you for who you are, Lord, that you are love and that you are light. And Father, I thank you that your love transforms us, Father. Your love transforms us. And Father, I pray that we would continue to understand and, 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 and dig into your love, experience your love, Father, so it can overflow from us onto others, so we could show the love of God to others, Lord. And Father, I thank you that you are light. There is no darkness in you at all, as we saw in your word. And I thank you that you're light, Father. Your, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, Father. You will show us what steps to take. You will show us what directions to take, Father. I thank you, Father. And I thank you that we could be your representatives here on this earth. We could be lights here on this earth for others to see, Lord God. That as it gets darker, we would shine brighter, Lord. And people, Lord, people, people that you desperately love, because you say in your word, it's your desire that all would come to know you, that people would be drawn to the light, Lord. 
So, Father, we just thank you, Lord. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, church, just a quick thing um, before you go. Remember, if this was your first time, we would love to meet you at our first-time guest area. But um, in a minute when we're dismissed, most importantly, if you're here and you have never given your life to Jesus, you've never experienced that life change, and you realize you need a Savior, you can't do this life, life alone, please, when we're dismissed in a minute, don't just walk out, come up here, tell one of our prayer workers, I want to pray that salvation prayer, I want to give my life to Christ, because that's where it all starts, amen, and it's a decision that we need to make here on earth, and it's not based upon our good works, it's based upon putting our faith in the finished work of the cross and what Jesus did, and it would be our absolute honor to lead you into that salvation prayer, amen. Amen. And if you need prayer for anything else, please come up. We would love to pray with you. Stand on God's word for whatever you're believing in. See what his word says and stand on his word for what you're believing for. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all. We love you. We will see you this weekend at church.